From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Friday, January 15th, 2021. On Fridays, Alicia Bales talks with Mendocino County's public health officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, about the county's response to the pandemic and listeners call in with their questions. Bad news on my feet, bad news out the bar. And that familiar Lucinda Williams theme song. It is the local coronavirus update here on a Friday. It's a special Friday edition of the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good, actually. Oh, are we are we doing the obligatory pandemic? I'm fine response, or are you no, really good? No, I you know I was part of a vaccine event yesterday, oh. and it felt really good to stab a hundred and some <laughs> people in the arm with a vaccine. There was great enthusiasm and um, a fair amount of uptake, so it felt felt like we were actually moving in a positive direction. So we're seeing a little glimpse of why you became a doctor. I try to keep that tucked deep inside. <laughs> but that's great. It's like a little bit of pain for a good reason. It's right. A lot of people actually didn't even know they had received the shot. Did so. you get any... Oh, well, we're going to talk about this in a little more detail, but any bad reactions? No. No. Nice. And the bad reactions are, you know, one in 100,000 will have a anaphylactic reaction. And the centers that are administering it have EpiPens and EMS on, on hand, as as we did. Um, so really quite readily managed. That's great. So that's one of the big topics for the day is vaccines. There's yes. been a ton of vaccine events around the county. There's kind of a lot of, I don't know, there's vaccine, vaccine anxiety. Yes, there's a lot vax, of confusion. Vax acts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a new syndrome. Yeah. And uh, a lot of calls. We're getting a lot of calls here at the station. I know that public health is getting a lot of calls. So to the best of our ability, we'll try to uh, sort through it. But it's hard. It's hard. It is. It is. And, you know, it's... It's going to continue to be fairly confusing and rumor-driven, I'm afraid, for the next couple of weeks. So I would really urge people to just relax. We've been in this pandemic for almost a year now, um, another week or two of sheltering and doing everything one has been doing um, is going to be fine. But before we get too far into it, um, particularly since we are occupying or since I am occupying the county time slot, a disclaimer is in order. I haven't given one poly for two to three months. But at any rate, just to be clear, in case you're tuning in for the first time, I am Dr. Colfax. I am not an employee of the County of Mendocino, uh, the state of California, or receive any compensation other than through Pacific Redwood Medical Group, which means I am also not speaking on behalf of Adventist. I am speaking solely on my own. Good to know. Yes. That's important because this is usually our Friday Q&A with Dr. Corin, a public health officer. But uh, Also, when people, not to cut you off, but when people call and say, why isn't the county doing this or that? Right. I don't necessarily have the answer. And the radio station also has no idea. We're doing the best we can to gather the information and, and make sure that you have it. So um, you listeners have it. Yeah. So usually we'd be here with Dr. Corin. He was away on some urgent business i don't know i don't know why he'd be so busy i mean we're it's only, not like there's a pandemic yeah or not like they're ramping up their yeah. vaccine efforts here in the county uh with very little guidance from the federal government and hardly any money to pay for it um so that's what's going on here this afternoon we will be here from 3 to three thirty. the phone lines will be open in just a couple of minutes the other kind of topic that will start to take center stage along with the vaccine efforts here is that schools are 
preparing, if possible, to reopen as soon as February 15th. So that's another thing we're going to touch on today. But do you want to start with the numbers? Sure. So we are still in the midst of a fairly intense surge, both locally and statewide. Our our case count is now up to 3,055 confirmed cases. We're adding about 35 a day. Our positivity is still quite high at 6.52% of tests, which translates to slightly over 650 people either in isolation or quarantine in the county. Um, No new deaths, which is quite good. Hospitalization um, is fairly high at 15 with two in the ICU. Uh, It's been in that range for about a week uh, to 10 days now. Uh, California is still completely out of control. We added 40,000 new cases yesterday. The rate of climb has flattened a bit, but we're still climbing uh, up almost 20% over two weeks. Um, and over 600 people a day are dying just in California. Hospitalization is still climbing. It's about 10% over the last two weeks with 22,000 people hospitalized just in California with COVID. Um, nationwide, it's similarly grim. Somebody's dying from COVID every 20 seconds in this country. Um, we are going to reach 400,000 deaths by Monday, um, and I'm sure we're going to pass a half million by the end of winter. That's that's almost inevitable. So pretty bad news um, in terms of where we are in the in the surge of this winter. Um, the good news um, is that the vaccine is coming in, um, not as fast as we'd like, um, and it's going into arms about as fast as we'd like, which is to say we're not sitting on big stockpiles in the county, which is entirely appropriate. The bad news is there's no real transparency as to supply chain on this, so we don't really have a good sense of when we're getting more vaccine into the county um, and how much it will be. So everybody's really sort of sitting in the dark trying to make plans without knowing exactly what we're planning for, um, which can be quite frustrating. It's not even clear, frankly, whether we're going to get the booster shot uh, for all the people that are getting the vaccine right now. Um, and so all of those are open questions. You know, the, the, Cal- the state of California just released something, I think it was yesterday, saying Mendocino County is only going to get 500 shots next week, which is a very low number. Um, but it was similarly low in other adjoining counties. So it's, it's not clear whether they're starting to run out of supply already. Um, there is no longer any federal vaccine reserve. They have shipped everything out. Um, it's similarly unclear what the capacity of production is for Moderna and Pfizer. So how many doses are they able to ship out a day or a week? That, that data is just not being disseminated. So it's, it's kind of a mess. It's a muddled mess, really. Um, and everybody locally is basically doing the right thing in terms of trying to get whatever we do get into the county into arms as quickly as possible. So we have had a little bit of a, uh, a I don't know, just a little hiccup. Uh, there was a PSA that we were putting out on, on KZYX from the from public health advising people to uh, who are 75 and older to be in touch with their primary care providers to make an appointment to get the vaccine. And then we started to get calls from doctors saying, I I don't have this. So um, we're, we're kind of at, at that place where 
a lot of things are being said, a lot of advice is being given, but it's not necessarily ready <laughs> to to yeah, follow not, through on. Yeah, it's not operationalized yet. And, yeah. You know, there's really not any top-down structure or guidance. And, you know, that's that's a product of two things. One is, you know, there's at least 50% of this population that doesn't think we should have a functional, well-organized government, and we don't. Um, and then secondly, we have um, this completely discombobulated, for-profit, um, disorganized healthcare system in this country that's incredibly expensive and, frankly, not very good. If we had a single-payer system like any other developed nation in the world, uh, it would be much easier to have an organized vaccine rollout, but we don't. So we have you know, various big hospital chains, um, even in the state of California or even in this county, that are working in a different sort of parallel universe in terms of their vaccine rollout. There's no transparency as to what each hospital chain, you know, I'm talking about Sutter and Kaiser, sort of the big ones, um, how much they have or where it's going or how much the state of California has and where it's going. So it's just this incredibly complex, poorly designed system that is unbelievably ill-suited for response to a pandemic like this. Just another kind of weakness in our system that's exposed by the experience of this pandemic. But the other thing is this, that we have, we do know that we have these four sort of lanes by which the vaccine is coming into the county. We've got vaccines coming into Adventist. We don't exactly know how many, but they are getting some. Well, they don't know either, is <laughs> unfortunately the honest answer. Right, and then we've got them coming into public health. And then we've got them coming into the um, tribal health centers separately through the federal government. And then there's a fourth lane that is ex- escaping me right now. But those are the big three. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. It's the um, it's the the um, drugstores. Right, but yes, and those are those. They're they're coordinating with the state of California. Um, but that's really mostly for getting into skilled nursing facilities and congregate living facilities. I think that's actually almost completely done at this point in this county, fortunately. Right. So, and that's the most simplistic, clearest view we have of, of where the vaccine is coming in. We also have at least, you know, this week there are about half a dozen vaccine events. Um, the ones Today and yesterday, I can tell you there's there were two today, one at the conference center in Ukiah, which was a collaboration with the city of Ukiah and public health for Ukiah Unified School District and Mendocino College staff. And the I, when I was leaving Ukiah, I saw a line around the block for that one. So that was happening at the conference center. Uh, and I heard 500 people got their shots today, at least their first shots. Um, and, and I heard from the school district uh, representative today that that's by the end of the day, everybody at the school in Ukiah who wants a shot is going to have it. So that's a lot of progress on vaccinating teachers in, in the yeah. Ukiah Valley. Yeah. Um, the other one that happened today was Adventist Health in Ukiah held an open clinic from 10 to 2 at the hospital. It was by appointment for tiers 1A, 1B, and people older than 75. And the report on that one is that it went very well and there were 600 shots administered and that they are going to be doing more of these open clinics because it's just a very efficient way to get the shots in people's arms, as you say, because uh, they don't know when things are coming. They don't know how many shots are coming and it's hard to plan. It's just really hard to plan. So they they liked how this one went. And then yesterday, as you said, um, Advent, uh, I'm sorry, Anderson Valley Health Center did uh, a clinic with ag workers and school staff. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday on the coast, um, there was a a clinic for first responders. So shots all over the county. Everybody's getting their shots. I feel a little left out. (laughs) 
I'm not in one of the tiers yet. I guess that's good. But the other thing I keep thinking is um, everybody who gets a shot protects the rest of us. Yeah, the more people that get the shot, the less COVID we'll have in the county. Um, and the more people who are... Uh, occupying positions with high social contact, um, you know, the less uh, less of a vector that will be, which is quite good, which is why, you know, not only the most vulnerable, um, but also sort of the essential frontline workers are getting getting vaccinated before um, a lot of other people who clearly want it. Um, but unfortunately, there's still just not enough to go around. So just to change gears just a little bit before we open up the phone lines, I just want to touch on the schools um, before we invite people to call in um you signed a letter this week i signed many letters (laughs) oh okay well this one was about uh, uh, strongly advocating for the reopening of schools so can you talk about what doctors are doing and and how this letter came about and and what you're asking for sure so there's a group of doctors in ukiah pediatricians who um decided to at least um speak to um the incredible um harm that's being inflicted upon onto children with schools being closed for effectively a year now um and to also speak to sort of our evolving sense of where we are in this pandemic and uh the low chance of um, mass spreading events in schools um and we quite clearly know the harm it's a little bit more difficult to assess the risk of school openings, but those schools which have reopened have seen very little transmission. I mean, quite, quite low indeed um, in numbers that tell us that it is quite safe to open schools, provided that, you know, all of the sort of social distancing, mask wearing, ventilation um, concerns be addressed. Um, and if those are properly addressed, then the risk of harm or the known um, harm to children um, is is certainly outweighing the risk of COVID spread through schools. And teachers are obviously concerned and appropriately that they may get COVID. Um, but now that we're getting vaccines into the arms of school staff um, and custodians and everybody else in the school system, that concern should more or less fade away by the time the booster shot is administered. Um, so that was sort of the impetus for this letter. Um, and hopefully we actually get schools reopened, uh, you know, sometime in the middle of February. So I remember talking with you here many times about uh, hearing you advocate for keeping schools closed. Mm-hmm. So what has changed? What's changed? Yeah. yeah, so what's changed is really our knowledge of the risks um, associated with COVID, the clear picture um, that this is going to continue, this being the pandemic, uh, through the end of the school year, um, and the known um, and very quantifiable injury to children by keeping schools closed for effectively a year and a half. And so at this point, we're at a tipping point where those the risks of COVID transmission through schools is outweighed by the known harm to children. And it's not as though we're talking about containment any longer, right? This pandemic is everywhere. Everything, it seems, is open. I mean, the amount of, you know, uh, places of business, the amount of people out and about in each of the towns in Mendocino is astonishing to me, frankly. And if all that is open, we certainly should be having our kids educated. Um, and, and that really is sort of the analysis. It's, it's not much more complicated than that. We also know from looking at schools that have opened in the midst of this pandemic that it can be done safely. And we also have much better, much, much better data showing that kids really just 
don't get very sick from COVID. I mean, there are exceptions, certainly. Um, but on the whole, COVID is a much less dangerous illness than influenza. Um, and we don't, we don't close schools every year for the flu season. For children? Yes. So, last thing, who did you guys send the letter to and what, how were you received? Well, what was the response? I, I actually can't speak to the response. Um, it went to the Board of Supervisors in the school district. Got it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and open the phone lines. It's uh, it's your turn to call in and ask your questions or make your comments. We've been getting a lot more comments these days. <laughs> There's um, a lot of frustration out there. Yeah. So I will, I will acknowledge that before we take even a single call. Um, I also feel for the healthcare providers in the county that got inundated with phone calls. Um, you know, I know that at least the Anderson Valley Health Center and RCMS have a survey, sort of a survey monkey, if you will, that allows you to sign up for the vaccine when it becomes available in your in your cohort. Um, you don't need to be a patient of either of those places to sign up through that. Um, and so that that's where that stands for those two clinics. I don't think Long Valley set that up yet, nor do I think that Hillside set it up, but they're probably going to be developing something like that quite soon. And we expect if you're a patient at one of these clinics, you'll be getting a call, right? If you are a patient and you're in the right age group, then you should be getting contacted. Yes, that that's the plan. Um, and if you feel like you should have been contacted and you haven't been, then contact them. Give them a call. All right, give us a call. It is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax on this Friday. And the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. 707-895-2448. And we'll take our first call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, good. I'm going to turn my radio down. Uh, okay, um, Dr. Colfax just said that uh, the sooner more and more people have taken the vaccine, then we'll all be safer. But I, I kind of contrasting that with the message that you can still be a carrier even when you're vaccinated. You just don't get um, so much of the disease yourself, but you can be a carrier. So I wanted to clarify that. Sure, that's that's a good question, and actually the the on, the answer to that is we really don't know yet. Um, if you're fully vaccinated, which is to say you've received your booster in the right amount of time interval, uh, the the data shows that you reach maximum sustained immunity about two weeks after your booster shot, uh, whether it's the Moderna, which is given four weeks after the first shot, or the Pfizer, which is given three weeks, um, it's it's generally five to six weeks after your first shot where you reach your maximum immunity. What we don't know is how common um, it's going to be to have asymptomatic carriers who have been fully immunized. Um, that's just an open question still. I think the gestalt of most people who are studying this is that's going to be quite rare indeed. Um, it's going to be a very infrequent and, frankly, not a very significant uh, route of transmission for this for this virus. So, in other words, you're not so likely to be a carrier. Correct. Uh, Correct. Yeah. It's not. It's oh, not so impossible. We don't. We don't know that definitely yet. But the 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 evidence, um, sort of our the modeling that we have on this, the science that we have on this, is pointing in that direction. It's obviously being studied intensely by, um, you know, researchers throughout the country right now. But we just we haven't had enough time to collect that data. Okay. Thank All you right. very much. You're Thanks welcome. a lot, caller. And thank you for this program. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Um, yeah, so I was just on Facebook, and Ted Williams has posted 
a link to a vaccinate Mendo within the last hour that apparently him and Mo worked on, and it's a sign-up. So I wanted to point that out to you because it literally I've just now seen it online. It seems like it was the outcome of um, a public need for a sign-up process, and so they have the initial web portal that's ready for our preview. Less than 24 hours in the making, more improvements are planned, but we hope that this concept will begin to streamline the tracking of vaccine seekers. So since... Yeah, no, and I actually I wanted to point that out. Yeah, I, Alicia and I saw that right before we went on on the radio show as well. And it's not clear whether that's going to then be shunted directly to public health or where this is going to be combined with public health. This is obviously breaking right now. Um, But at this point, looking at that website, it appears to be a private website that is going to then provide that data to public health to help facilitate vaccine rollout. It really bespeaks to kind of the discombobulated um, rollout in general that we're all experiencing, right? There's not a master list, and you're watching the needle go down the master list, um, you know, with everybody ranked, all 85,000 people in this county ranked as to when you should be getting the vaccine. We just don't have that. And so this, I think, is an appropriate response of Ted and Mo to try to assist public health in getting um, the people on a roll so at least they know that they will be contacted when they are due to get their vaccine. Well, great. Well, thanks for the update on that. I just wanted to make sure you had seen it. Thanks for your time and really love the show. Thanks. Thank and you. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out what's going on with Mo and Ted's new website. Again, if you want to check it out, it's vaccinatemendo.com, but we're not quite sure what to make of it yet, but I'm sure I, Ted will let us know. Yeah, me. <laughs> Probably before the show's over. <laughs> so let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hello? That's you. Hello? Hi. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Yeah, um, I was wondering if you knew anything about the outbreak in at the Safeway in Willits. Um, I heard about five days ago that five people were positive. I I had heard that there were five people that are positive. I don't have any more information than that at this point. Um, so, you know, I, I, I knew that there was a, a bit of an outbreak there. Um, but whether that has translated into larger numbers, I don't think so. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of where things stand there. We don't, we don't, you know, expect to see, um, big responses from these outbreaks in terms of surges simply because there's so much virus everywhere right now. And if we're talking about 7% of all people who are tested in this county having the virus, that's a very high prevalence. Um, And so outbreaks are going to happen. It really doesn't change anybody's analysis or even what public health can do at this point in terms of response. Uh, Do you know if it was um, workers at the store or was it people that got infected from the store? I don't know definitively. I'm sorry. Do you think it's safe to go there? Yeah, it's safe to go there. I mean, obviously, you want to minimize your time there. I would continue, and I have continued to urge people to go during less busy times. And, yeah, without saying, it would require facial covering and hand washing afterward. Um, but, yes, it's it's safe to go into any open place of business. You just don't want to stay in that place of business for very long. So, you know, group your, group your shopping um, and get it done during low... Um, low utilization time periods, and that's the safest way to engage in essential activities. 
Yeah, it's it's just the first store that I heard about that actually had an outbreak. So basically, I'm just going to avoid the whole store for a while. But anyway, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely not the first store that's had an outbreak. I mean, I know of multiple um, grocery stores in the Ukiah area that have had outbreaks, um, big box stores in the Ukiah area that have had outbreaks as well. So it is it is most definitively not the la- the first or the last um, store to have an outbreak. All right. All right. Thanks for the call, caller. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hi. Um, I love your show. Thank you for all the information. And I just wanted to say I hear about all the frustration, obviously. But I just took my parents to get vaccinated at the Ukiah location at the Adventist Health. And there were so many people there. And we got to the end of the line, and I was like, oh, God, let's just settle in. And I have to say, it was so incredibly well-organized. Uh, They just moved people along. I was shocked. It was like the easiest visit of any of that type that I have ever had. There was plenty of staff. They were so together, and they did it, just moved us through, were super sweet and polite. They had all the right people at the right place to get us through, and we were through it before we knew it, and I I couldn't even believe it. Like, we were in and out of there at the end of a line that there was at least 100 people there when we were there, and then they got us to the right spot. It was just this incredibly well-organized, great experience. So I just wanted to put that out there that – the pe- when they get it together and they get the people there, the- that place at least was just doing a fantastic job. That's that's really good to hear. And I, you know, there are a lot of healthcare workers um, who are quite happy to volunteer time to administer the shot. People um, both at Adventist and in the local clinics are putting a lot of effort into making sure these events go smoothly. Yesterday's event at the um, Anderson Valley High School went, fat, you know, was extremely um, well run um, by the the groups at by the group at the Anderson Valley Health Center. There was really never any line. We were vaccinating. Um, you know, each team was vaccinating on average about one person a minute. So we were going through people quite quickly. I would never have believed it, but I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't even believe it. And the, the one frustration that I've heard, and then, of course, people flooded me with, like, how did you get in there? Where's the link to sign up? And fortunately, I had a friend that sent me the link because she knows about my parents, and she said, get on there now and do it now. And it was just so easy for me. But it seems like for people, the people are like, where do I go? And they've been looking, and it seems like it's really hard for people to find it is. how it to is. sign up, like everyday people. And that was, I felt kind of bad, and I've been trying to just help people now to – and they say go to the Facebook page and look at, you know, Adventist Health and 5th District was for us. And, and they've been finding it there, like the alert. But I think that's very unclear to most people that I talk to of where to go. And they're going on the Internet, and they just, they're having a really hard time. And I just found it because my friend sent me the link. Yeah, so it, it, I would say that's got to be a big focus. That is, everyday people are not finding it. That is, that is a huge problem. And frankly, reaching out to the um, Latinx community is a huge problem. Um, and yeah. the elderly need need the vaccine the most and you know newsflash they tend to be the least um, computer yeah. savvy um and i'll include myself in that group at this point absolutely no I, so, they, my parents uh, they did it because i got the message from my friend and went right on the computer they would have never seen it mm-hmm. ever right then so, those are all problems i i know that the health centers throughout the county are going to be contacting people as well so hopefully that's going to help close the gaps in the system you know there's also a significant amount of outreach to get the latinx um farm worker community in and vaccinated since they have 
disproportionately borne yeah. a heavy um, burden of COVID in this in this county. Um, and so that effort is underway and is working quite well so far. The real problem, as as you know, I'm sure, is we just don't have enough of the vaccine yet, and we also right. don't don't really know when more is coming. So you know, you're, it's great your parents got the booster or got the shot. Now we just have to hope that the booster arrives in you know the requisite amount of time. Yeah, and they got the appointment for it, so we'll see. But I just was like, I, I can't tell you how, sh- with this whole COVID year, all the delays, I was, I, I couldn't believe how smoothly it went. It was kind of, it was kind of shocking. But I just want to say kudos to all you guys who are doing that. And it's the people that are doing it. And when you get in there, they are just awesome. They were just so friendly and amazing. I just, it was a great experience. It feels really yeah. good. It, you know, it really feels good to be giving the vaccine. It's, it's an amazing achievement. It's an amazing accomplishment. And the fact that we had you know 200 doses on a table at the at the Anderson Valley High School um, less than a year after this thing started is amazing um, and it's so effective you're really giving some you know somebody a dose of medication that is going to significantly very very significantly reduce the likelihood that they're going to get sick from this thing yeah and my mom's 88 my dad's 81 so it was it was a huge relief yeah Anyway, thank you for all the information. I just your show's been just so helpful, and you being on there, I really appreciate it. Thank well, thanks, you. thanks for the shout out to Adventist. Uh, I'm sure they appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. a really Bye. comforting. Thank you so much for calling in with that story. It's like the best of times and the worst of times, yeah. right? Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> we're 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 near the finish line, though. We're getting there. We are. I got that sense today. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's great. I mean, you know. In the long term. <laughs> Don't let up yet. It's not time to let up, but we can see some, some sort of relief coming yes, at some point. absolutely. Yeah, thank you. All right, Bye. thanks a lot. Thank you. Let's take another call. Good afternoon, Call You're live on the air. Hi, good afternoon. Hey, thank you guys so much for the show. Um, I have a question. It kind of has to do with what the last caller just talked about, and that is how do you find out about Adventist Health Open Clinic, because I am um, not quite yet. I'm I'm over 65, but um, my neighbors are in their 80s, and I don't think they have a clue as to how to get signed up for any of this stuff. Yeah, and and so I I think what the county, um, in conjunction with Adventist and all the health centers throughout the county, um, are going to attempt to do is reach out to everybody in the appropriate age tier um, as they get more vaccine in. Right now, the the majority of the vaccine is still going to essential workers. Some is going to the 75 and plus uh, cohort, but there's not even close to enough to get to every 75 and plus person in the county. Um, But that should be, um, you know, that should be rolled out over the course of the next week or two where, wherein the health centers are going to be contacting people like your parents um, and told when and where to go for the vaccine. So they're supposed to be contacted by the um, by the health center or by their doctor? By, correct. They don't have to put themselves on a list? Not not necessarily. Now, I, I don't want to say this definitively because I'm not certain that every health center is doing it exactly the same way, but I know that there's an effort amongst the health centers to contact at least all of their patients in the eligible age group um, to come in for a vaccine and win. The problem still is we don't really know what the supply looks like, so it's hard to, it's hard to book appointments for an event when you don't know when the vaccines are arriving. 
So, right, but it's, it would be nice if they could, I mean, anyway, and they don't go to a clinic, they go to um, a private private doctor, it's not like, a, a, they're not... They're not like part of Anderson Valley Clinic, right? So, and and that's a problem. I know that um, Andy Corn, you know, recorded a PSA saying contact your private, you know, pri- contact your healthcare provider. I don't think every healthcare provider is in the know yet because really there's not that level of organization yet. Mm-hmm. So I I would I would frankly recommend sitting tight uh, for the next week. Um, and you know, as this dust settles, I think there'll be greater clarity as to who and where and when we can go to get the vaccine. It's frustrating. I mean, we've, we've known vaccine is coming since, really, since September um, or August even, and we're still trying to sort of put the, you know, put the training wheels on the bicycle, and it's it's just a, a frustrating experience. I hear that. I feel that. Um, but fortunately, you know, it is it is coming. So in the meantime... Right. And, and, and that's very much appreciated. It's just, I remember hearing the discussion about when um, the you know the freezer malfunctioned and it, it, the word went out and it was I think it was Alicia said and you even agreed about um, that you know if you have to be you have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to get on the list and like the last caller her friend sent a link and she got in and got her parents the the um, right and you know that appointment and it's it, it's very um, disconcerting to those of us that aren't linked in in that way. Correct. Right. And, you know, this is this is the, one of the things about this pandemic is it really has laid bare um, discrepancies in health care, right? I mean, those who are well-connected or well-educated uh, tend to get better health care than those who are not. And that's not just a question of insurance. It's, a, you know, it's multifactorial. And it's being laid bare or magnified by this very, you know, vaccine rollout. I don't think that there's any sort of concerted effort um, to, you know, bring in the people who are connected well um, early for early vaccination. It just tends to happen that way because, you know, the people who are um, in the, you know, in the group of people um, who are in healthcare, for example, know other people, and those people tend to be well-informed and are going to share information as to where the vaccine is and where it's coming out. As for the freezer breakdown, that was that was sort of hopefully a one-time madcap event, um, and you know that that was pulled off quite neatly by Adventist, um, and right. I, you know that was just one of those things that happens do you think it would be helpful because i the only place that i'm seeing these announcements is on social media that's the only place that i'm seeing like when adventist announced this today's clinic uh that that the last caller had gone to it was a facebook post that was then amplified by other sort of uh group posts on facebook but do you think it would be helpful if people who are on facebook could share it around to people who who aren't on Facebook? Do you think that's something we could do just as neighbors to fill that gap? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, word of mouth is certainly the key to getting uh, more people in and get getting vaccinated. You know, locally... But yet, but yet we're not out and about. That's part of the that's, problem. That, that is indeed and part they, of the problem. And, you know, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on any social media. And so I don't yeah. see any of these posts. And, you know, I think that's actually normative for a lot of octogenarians or septuagenarians out here you really don't look yes, that old it, yeah <laughs> well, facebook is not something that some of us really um are very um comfortable with we don't you know we're not exactly. signed up we i can't even get into the mendocino county 
sometimes because things are on Facebook and and you have to sign in. Yeah, and and, and that's you know that's that's a problem that you know public health and the health centers are going to have to address. I mean, right now, the health centers fortunately are reaching out to their patients, but if you want to get in their network, then you would have to go onto their website and do a little survey to you know get, get right. to become eligible for the vaccine. Yeah, that's what's on Facebook is the link to the sign up web page. So maybe those of us who are on on social media can send that link around. You know when we see it. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe they could maybe they could put on their web page, put it up front that you know, because I have looked on Adventist Health's um, web page and have not found a, a, a way to, to sign up for well, any just, of the vaccination clinics. Right, and just to be clear, though, I mean this is really a public health process rather than Adventist. I mean Adventist is in a support role for public health, but it's public health that is. Um, you know, distributing and re- receiving and distributing the vast majority of the vaccines in this county. Um, and so, you know, it's it's incumbent upon them to coordinate with health centers and providers to come up with a coordinated um, information campaign about who and where and when um, is getting the vaccine. All right. Thanks for the call, caller. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll do what we can to keep you in the loop. All right. There's uh, one more call. You want to keep going? Sure. Or, why yeah. not? We are at 3.36. We usually stop at 3.30, but you know what? It's Friday. <laughs> Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I've been um, struggling to wrap my mind around the idea of how, how, how to work at the level of the family when you have such different ages. And so, for example, I'll use my own case. My husband's 73, so he's going to get vaccinated fairly shortly. I'm uh, in the 60 and below, so I've got a, a ways to go. And then, we, of course, we have a 20-something-year-old son. And if I understand, particularly with this idea that somebody who's vaccinated can still be a vector, basically I have to still think about our family as our pod, and we have to keep up all the same behaviors for a while. So I just, I just kind of want to have a little thinking around that, about how are families supposed to kind of work this all through when not everybody in the family is vaccinated? Yeah, so that, that's a really good question. And, you know, one thing I was trying to emphasize with people yesterday getting the vaccine was, you know, the vaccine doesn't work for a while. It takes at least six weeks after you get your, you know, six weeks total, um, including the booster shot. And then, and even then, it really doesn't change anything that we're able to do safely um, until our our numbers go down, right? We need to start seeing a significant drop in positivity um, before it'll be safe to um, break out of our pods or our shells um, and start engaging in the type of activities we used to do. Um, And so, unfortunately, the answer for now is it's not going to change anything for you or your husband or your 20-year-old son um, after your husband gets vaccinated. It, it really won't. The only thing that will change is his risk of getting acutely ill from COVID went from, say, 8% to you know, less, much less than 1%. Um, and that's that's fantastic, right? But you still got to do everything else that we are all so sick of doing. Do you want to hazard a guess as to when we might achieve that herd immunity and 
go back to pre-pod living? Yeah, so that's that's there, a lot of people are spending a lot of time on that. Um, I mentioned, I think it was on Wednesday, but it might have been Monday, that there is some modeling that shows that as we get more people vaccinated, it's actually going to significantly start flattening this current curve. That, unfortunately, may be offset by this new strain, this B117 strain. Um, but, you know, that's that gets pretty confusing pretty quickly. I anticipate that as the vaccine is rolled into the population um you know on the order of a million or two million shots a week in this country that by the end of spring uh we're going to start to see some significant improvement and relaxation of restrictions but that's perhaps optimistic um the cdc just released today a fairly grim um analysis about this new strain um and how it may drive a surge in march that will be even worse than our current surge so it's a long way between now and may and june but i anticipate that we'll start to see a significant fall off by those months something to live for and look forward to thanks so much you're welcome all right thanks a lot Another call? Sure. Okay. We can just keep going. It's a, <laughs> it's a filibuster. It's a yeah, COVID exactly. filibuster. <laughs> Another one? Another one? Uh, hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, hello. Thank you. Um, so these clinics we hear about, am I correct in assuming that those are all, um, let's see, tier phase 1B tier 1 and earlier patients? Uh, boy, you're 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 asking me a question about the tiers and the phases, and if you spend much time in looking at that, you realize it's clear as mud. Um, but yes, <laughs> as I recollect from the tiered, you know, subphases, that is correct. It's phase one A tiers one through three, um, and then the the website says we're currently. In phase 1B tier 1. Correct. But that doesn't include the 75 and up. So then you have to go underneath to phase 2, phase 2, and then it says sub-phase 2, I guess. It's it's confusing. But right now, um, to summarize where things stand in this county, we're not yet doing the state of California 65 and up. We're doing the Mendocino County 75 and up, and then essential frontline workers with a heavy emphasis on agricultural workers. And that's kind of where things stand currently. And it's really hard to parse that in these phases because it's just poorly conceived. Is there a way to predict what triggers us following the statewide 65 and up guideline? I don't have a way to predict that. Um, I think what's going to happen is once we get um, significant uptake of the people who are 75 and up, then we're going to immediately roll to 65 and up. And I I know that public health and Adventist and I presume everybody else who's getting the vaccine in this county is going to be getting it out and in the arms as soon as they get it in the county. But it really is just a supply chain uh, issue rather than a distribution issue. Is it getting distributed as effectively to individual primary care physicians offices no as opposed to these clinics no it, i i don't think it's going i don't know if it's going to any primary care providers off private offices uh, as of yet I, I think it's primarily going to um clinics that are being run by either public health or these federally qualified health centers throughout the county so 
is there a a why or or it's you a, know it's a supply it's a supply problem still um and it's also you know it's mostly so far been going to essential workers we're just now starting to get it into an aged based cohort i think that primary providers will be getting it um quite soon it's also, however, problematic for primary providers to administer it because the vials contain multiple doses. And once you crack a vial or thaw out a vial, you need to use all those doses up. And so I think it's going to be actually fairly hard for individual private medical providers to administer this vaccine. I think they're going to ultimately end up directing a lot of their patients to um, health centers for the vaccine. The Moderna vial contains 10 doses, and it's going to be very hard for a primary provider to get 10 people into the clinic and get vaccinated in a safe way, um, you know, in a timely way, manner. All right. So you shouldn't rely on your primary provider. Once you are eligible for the tier... Once you need to look for one of these clinics. That, that is what I would advise. I mean, it certainly is reasonable to be in contact with your primary provider. I don't want everybody swamping, you know, these poor doctors' offices with phone calls all at once. But I think it would be prudent to visit some of the county clinic websites to see if you can get in their notification system. So when you are eligible, they will contact you and tell you when and where to go. I thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Good to know. That's a good question, whether the primary care providers are going to be uh, giving. Yeah, I, I just think it's going to be very hard for them to operationalize this. It's it's a lot of resources. It's a lot of coordination. Um, and then you don't want vaccine to go to waste. Right. Well, it's not. It's packaged in bulk at this moment. It's packaged in bulk, but once you thaw it out, you need to use it all up. And so, you know, you can't just have an octogenarian walk into a provider's office and say, okay, we'll give you the COVID shot, because then you have... You know, if it's the Moderna, you have nine more nine you need to more. give. Start yeah. mad dialing everybody you know in the neighborhood. Right. Um, all right. Well, the phone lines are still full. Uh, well, this is the local coronavirus update for Friday. We are going a little bit long. Do you want to just keep going or sure. are you no, worn we'll out? Just, we'll just press on. Why okay. Not? Press on until we see if we can get to the end of the calls. No, that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Oh, phone number 707-895-2448. 895-2448. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Yeah, okay. I'm over 75, um, so in theory, could get the shot. I'm not, my living conditions are that I'm rarely exposed to other people, um, and I'm very careful when I am. With the fact that the government is not sending out the, preserve, the you know, the, the reserve that they said they had and didn't, um, should I go ahead and get the first one on the off chance that I will be able to get the second? Or should I just hang around and wait until I'm sure that the supply chain is in good shape and I can get the two when I want to? Yeah, you know, that, that's a really good question. And, and the answer, you know, everybody's going to make a different decision. Um, the answer I would um, give is get your first shot now. And that's the decision that public health is making. That's the decision that is recommended by the CDC and just about anybody who has studied this, because we know that the first vaccine confers significant immunity. It doesn't appear to confer as good of immunity as immunity with the booster shot, but we also don't have perfect data on that yet. It isn't something that's been closely studied as of yet, or at least I haven't seen that data. But one shot is better than no shots. We're quite clear about that. And if you are 
you know, 75 or older, the chances of you're getting quite sick from this are are, are real. Um, and the chances, we think, are significantly reduced even with just one shot. Now, if you're comfortable continuing to shelter in place wherever you are um, with no contact, that's fine. That's a reasonable alternative strategy. It's not clear when we'll definitely get um, you know, the one-two guaranteed dosages um, that, that you're asking for. That might not even come about until this summer sometime, which is a long way between here and there. So if you get one shot and you are forced to wait far too long for shot number two, mm-hmm. does that mean you're does that mean you're really back at the starting point? Yeah, we don't we don't know yet, um, unfortunately. So, for example, the vaccines that I administered yesterday, that's presumed that we don't get any more supply for those 210 people for I don't know. Let's pick say 12 weeks. At that point, do we give them a repeat first dose followed by the second dose? I don't know. We don't have any guidance um, from the pharmaceutical companies about that as of yet. But that's a question that's being uh, looked into. Okay. I'll ask the question again in a month. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, caller. Bye-bye. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hi. I was just wondering, um, if everybody in your household is vaccinated, do we get to change our behaviors? Uh, within the household, sure. But, you know, outside of that, I, I wouldn't recommend that until we have greater clarity as to sort of the asymptomatic vaccinated transmission. We should have that answer, um, you know, within a month or two. But as for now, um, I would still restrict your activities in a way that are COVID safe. I would feel much more comfortable, for example, if I were vaccinated fully and my family is vaccinated fully, getting on an airplane somewhere if I needed to get somewhere for something important. But I don't think it would be a vacation type of flight. So just in general, though, going about our daily lives, we're not going to have to be worried about transmitting it to each other if we're both vaccinated. Correct. Yeah, no, if you're both vaccinated, I mean, I I don't know if you're one of these, you know, COVID overachievers that wears the face mask in your own home um, or not. But, you know, in general, households sort of, you know, get COVID or don't um, together. It certainly is reasonable to be much less anxious when you're out and about um, after you're fully vaccinated because your chances of you're getting COVID have just plummeted and your chances of getting sick from COVID have really gone very, very significantly down. So it takes a lot of the anxiety away, but the guidelines still stand. Okay, thank you for the information. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks for the call. Oh, I was going to say, it looks like we've come to the end of our callers. We've got one more. Let's take just one more call, and we'll call it a week. Okay? No pun intended. (laughs) Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, hello. Thank you. I just want to thank both of you, uh, Alicia and Dr. Drew. I had a quick question. Um, Actually, an update. I was just at the Adventist Hospital, and I was the fifth one behind the last vaccine for today. Um, I'm sorry. um, Yeah. Yeah. in any event, um, I have, my quick question is this, is that uh, I'm an essential worker. I work in child welfare. I um, take Illumia, which puts me, uh, my immune system is pretty uh, compromised, and I also have a clotting disorder. And with that in mind, do you know if either the Pfizer or the Moderna would be preferred for 
possible side effects related to those conditions? Uh, no, there's really no data to suggest that either one is better uh, over the other, um, either in your specific circumstance or in any other circumstance. They appear to be more or less equivalent in terms of very low risk of side effects, um, and they are essentially equivalent in terms of efficacy. So I would urge right. you to get whichever one you can get um, as soon as possible. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I do. I know that the... Uh Consolidated Tribal Health is offering the Moderna right now, but I, I just I had read the fact sheet on the Moderna and said if you have these certain pre-existing conditions, talk to your doctor first. Unfortunately, I haven't heard back from them in about a week, so I was just a little hesitant. Yeah, I mean, but there's I, there there you are at increased risk, unfortunately, of having increased. Of, of having side effects from the vaccine. I mean, there was this well-publicized physician in, I believe, Florida who died from his platelets um, basically disappearing in his system, and then he had a fatal hemorrhage. That kind of um, vaccine response occurs. It's kind of one of these one-in-a-million type of vaccine responses, or even one-in-two million Um uh, you know, the chances of that occurring for you, sir, are, you know, slightly higher than, you know, somebody without any pre-existing conditions, but they're still, you know, many, many times uh, lower than the risk of you doing quite poorly with COVID. So, you know, it, it's a risk-benefit analysis. I don't think that the Moderna package insert should alarm you any more than whatever the Pfizer package insert says. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for the call. All right. That's going to do it. I think so. That's a, that's a lot of calls. <laughs> you yeah. got to spend the weekend recovering yeah. from, from that one. Uh, this has been the local coronavirus update for Friday. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Any parting words? Maybe, maybe Andy wants to do the Monday slot. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, if Monday's, not, I'll Monday's be here. a holiday, right? It is. Isn't it? I don't, I'm an day? ER doctor. We don't get holidays. <laughs> I don't know. What month is it? Yeah, um, yeah you'll be back. Yes, I'll be back. Monday at 3 o'clock, I'll be here. I don't go anywhere else. <laughs> so, this is it for, for the foreseeable future, I suppose. Um, thank you all for listening, and thanks for your great questions. Thanks for the calls. Um, hang in there, everybody. The confusion will gradually settle out, so be patient. Um, and don't, you know, don't attack healthcare providers too much as we try to sort this out. Yep. Word. Okay. Have a great weekend. We're going to go out with just a, a little bit of music. We're going to hear from Rianne Giddens before we get to Democracy Now! at 4 o'clock. All things considered after that. A couple programming notes. We are going to run live special coverage of President-elect Biden's inauguration on Wednesday morning. That's going to start at 8 o'clock uh, for the inauguration ceremony from 8 to 10 Pacific time. So we'll be carrying that. Also, next Wednesday night, uh, we were, we're talking in, in this this update about vaccine events and also about uh, schools opening fairly soon. We're going to have a special public affairs show Wednesday night at 7 with um, Ukiah Unified Superintendent Deb Cuban to talk about Ukiah's planning for reopening schools uh, now that all of the staff and teachers who want the vaccination are vaccinated um, at least that's the report we had things are looking up for that that planning so we're going to get uh we're going to get an update from her, and we're going to also have the phone lines open for your questions if you are a Ukiah Unified parent or family and want to find out more about the planning 
for safely reopening schools in the Ukiah Valley. That'll be Wednesday from 7 to 8 o'clock. So stay tuned to KZYX. We're doing our best to bring you the most accurate and most current information about the pandemic. We'll be back with you with more on Monday. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.